to be truly happy and fulfilled, we need to dismiss what looks good on the outside so that we can find the activities and life pursuits that make it all worthwhile. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. Hey y'all, Britt here with a special episode for ya. As many of you know, I started Teach Me Something New as a personal journey to satiate my curiosity to learn about, well, just about everything. Now, over a million downloads later, I have so much pride and joy that you guys have come along the journey with me. But with dozens of episodes, I know there may have been things you either didn't learn or might have forgotten. So we've started pulling together a few highlight episodes featuring the best tips from some of our most amazing guests. In today's episode, we're shedding light on my favorite personal growth tips received from some of the most inspiring, powerful, and wise women. Keep listening for incredible sound bites from fashion and media sensation Elaine Welteroth, TV personality and fitness expert Amanda Klutz, co-founder of the Melissa and Doug toy brand Melissa Bernstein, serial entrepreneur and shark Bethany Frankel, and legendary fashion designer Diane von Furstenberg. First, let's roll the tape back on some highlights from my conversation with Elaine Welteroth. You guys, literally everything she had to say in this episode resonated with me, especially this moment about looking into our past for clues on what path we should take for our future. You tell me, Britt, if you relate to this, but I feel like when you find moments in life where you feel lost or uninspired and you kind of feel like you've lost touch with yourself and you're going through life, but you're not feeling alive, I feel like the best thing you can do is look back and think about how you played as a child, like how you spent your time as a child before there were expectations placed on you to support a family or to pay your rent, you know, before success or failure were even constructs in your mind, like how you spent your time as a child. There's so many clues there to what truly fulfills you and like what you were really put here to do and be. And I feel like that excavation process is so important because it literally, like when I think about these stories from my childhood of being in the bathtub and like having imaginary interviews with icons like Elizabeth Taylor or like Oprah, I would have these like full on riveting interviews that were totally imaginary. And I look back and I'm like, I was always meant to be a journalist. I was always meant to be someone who interviews people, who draws out the truth from people. And before I knew there was a job called the journalist, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> I often feel like there's these gems that you can unlock in those stories. And there are little breadcrumbs that lead directly from those childhood memories and stories of who you were then directly to who you can be and should be as yes. an adult, you know? So anyway, yes. I love that you start there. I love that you start with the origin story because so often we just kind of skip over all that. And it's just 
I really love uncovering the how and the why behind the Yes. Thank you, Elaine, for this pearl of wisdom. Even when I mentor budding entrepreneurs, I'm always encouraging them to dive deep into their origin story and notice how the breadcrumbs of our past can guide us towards our true north. Which brings me to this next learning about how to deal if you find yourself on the wrong path. Listen in. I found myself in a work culture that I just did not feel a sense of belonging in. It was actually quite scary to see how quickly an environment can rock you and make you question who you are and start to kind of shrink you. I think that there's this panic that you sort of inherit that can make you a fear-based person and make decisions based on fear. And I just was more afraid. I became more afraid of being on the wrong path for my soul than I was of pursuing a path that was perhaps even too competitive to ever succeed in. Mm. But I was able to commit to the pursuit Mm -hmm. because I thought the pursuit is going to be far richer and more fun and more adventurous. And I'm going to feel more alive on that path. So I'm going this way. I tried that. It wasn't for me. So I'm grateful, honestly, for that slight deviation. And I know for a lot of people listening, they're like, girl, you figured that out before you graduated from college. Like most of us spend like decade, you know, sometimes a whole decade in the quote unquote wrong career or in the wrong path before you start to figure it out. It takes so much bravery to go after what you want in life. And I was so in awe of Elaine having the courage to do this so early in her career. It reminds me of the pivot I made over a decade ago leaving a dream job at Google that looked good on paper to honor my passion and ultimately settle into my path. Elaine had more to say about why we should avoid chasing jobs that sound cool on Instagram in this next clip. Listen, part of our feminine power is being in touch with our body and the intelligence within. And I think while I didn't necessarily have that language for it when I was exiting college and going into the real world, all of those kind of spiritual laws, which sound kind of woo-woo, were so practically useful for me. One of the things I always say, don't chase the sexy. I think it's so easy for us to get a little bit caught up in like what looks good, what sounds cool, what might look good on Instagram or on your resume and let that guide us. But then you are extrinsically motivated and that runs out quick. So to be able to tap into like, not what sounds sexy to anybody else, but what actually lights you up And makes you, as you say, lean in, like whether it's lean in, light up, whatever speaks Mm -hmm. to you, that is you tuning into that life force inside you that leads you to the truth. So yeah, I mean, I've experienced this sort of tumultuous kind of soul searching moment a number of times. Like that was the first one. And it gave me the courage to say like, listen, I don't know if I'm going to make this big dream come true, but I'm going to put my stake in the ground and say out loud for the first time that I want to work at a big magazine in New York City. And like, I want to write cover stories. I want to interview some of the most interesting people in the freaking world. I think I could be great at that. And I have to stop worrying about whether I sound insane to people like one of those crazy dreamers who's going to be a failure to launch and who's going to end up back in my parents' house. Like, I'm going to risk being that person to take the chance on me to be the biggest version of myself that I can possibly be. And like, I went for it. And I think it takes that in order to make a dream come true. 
Again, yes. Thank you, Elaine. We all need that reminder to take risks and to see successful examples of it paying off. So much of our energy is wasted going after those status symbols like having the nicest home, the newest car, or the sexiest job. But to be truly happy and fulfilled, we need to dismiss what looks good on the outside so that we can find the activities and life pursuits that make it all worthwhile. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Earlier this year, my dear friend Amanda Klutz came on the show to open up about the 2020 loss of her husband, Nick Cordero, who died from COVID-19. Grief is something we all experience so differently, but Amanda's positivity and lightness through such hardship was moving and insightful in teaching me how I can show up for anyone in my life suffering or going through a loss. These next few segments touch upon Amanda's heartbreaking last few months with Nick and the reality of what it means to grieve on a public stage. You know, it was such a roller coaster, so many ups and downs and and ups and downs within 20 minutes. I would get a phone call from Nick's main doctor and then 20 minutes later, get a phone call from the hospital nurse that would be completely different from what I was just told 20 minutes ago. So it was really kind of just a daily battle of living that roller coaster too. I'm an innately positive person though in in all aspects of my life. So I did I did stay super positive. I mean there my, the Nick's doctor said it from day 1. He said Amanda, it, you know, this is a marathon not a sprint. If we look at this with a positive light, we'll have options. If we don't, we have no options. And I just was always confident in the fact that Nick was 41 years old and that he would make it through this. I I really never, I mean, yes, there were times where I thought, especially towards the end, that he wasn't going to make it. But up until then, I just always believed that he was going to make it. I, you know, I thought when he woke up, he was going to, you know, be awake and, and there with us and be able to talk to me. And, you know, I just always, I always kept thinking the best of the situation as possible. And what was it about the social media community that either helped or hurt you during this process? Did it did it help you to provide these daily updates to people? Oh yeah. It was a lifeline for me. It was in retrospect therapy. I I am just starting therapy now and my girlfriend who's studying to be a therapist was like one of the things that they'll tell you to do in therapy for grief or loss is like a lot of people suppress it. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about what's happened. And she told me, she's like, but Amanda, you did the exact opposite from day one. From day one, you were sharing this story. You were crying every day. You were getting it out. You were getting out these emotions. And she was like, that's kind of like what a therapist will encourage you to do after the fact, but you've done it through the whole thing. Because to be honest, I'm kind of having like a, a hard time with therapy because I, I don't know exactly what direction to go in with it, but I want to do it. 
And she told me, she was like, I think it's because you've sort of put yourself through therapy since day one with this whole thing. So it was a lifeline. It was a support system. It was, it was such a, a way to keep positive and, and yeah, I had people, I had prayer chains and people praying for me and for Nick. And I mean, it was incredible. It, it honestly was incredible. I couldn't have gotten through it without it. You know, the the best advice I've got about grief is that there's no way to handle grief. There's no right way because everybody handles it differently. There's no plan you can give someone. There's guides and there's books and definitely things you can read, but innately this is a journey that every individual that you individually take. And, um, and everybody takes a different journey. Some people can't get out of bed for six months. And some people are like me, I can't, I can't stay in bed for six months. You know, it's a, it's a different story. Right. I mean, you're, you've continued teaching fitness classes, launching a fitness app. (laughs) Like you've literally been the opposite of being in bed. Has that ever been hard for you? Have you ever wanted to just no, um, with it all and just be like a hermit somewhere on a remote island. Like, um, yeah, I definitely wish I could go take a vacation to the Grand Caymans and sit on the beach for two weeks and just read books. I would love to do that. I mean, for two weeks and then I would come back and, and want to get back to work, but no, I'm a workhorse. I like to work. I'm a creator. I like to create. Um, I feel best when I'm doing those things. It is a way for me to really stress and anxiety. It makes me feel better. It brings a smile to my face, creating, um, and, and exercising and, um, you know, donating to charities and working with charities and all of those things just makes me feel a forward movement. And, you know, that is what Nick would want me to do. I mean, there is the other half of this where like on days where I am sad, which of course I have, or when, you know, especially at night when you're sitting on the couch and that's like a lot of times when, you know, the day slows down and you just start to feel alone and sad. You know, I think about Nick and I think he would not want me to sit on the couch and be sad. He would not want me to not flourish and move forward. He would want me to be the best mom I could possibly be. And he would want to see me grow and evolve and change as I would. If he could have talked to me when he was passing, I know he would have said that to me because I would have said the same thing to him. I would have said, you will find love again. You have to raise our son. You have to do all your dreams. Like, you know, I know he would say those things. So um, that helps too. That's a big, a big help because it's that thing in the back of your brain going, I have to make him proud. Another episode I still think about today is the emotional conversation I had with Melissa Bernstein, founder of Melissa and Doug, one of the biggest toy brands in the world. While Teach Me Something New often delivers really tactical lessons on a variety of topics from getting better sleep and getting out of debt to learning how to meditate and so much more, this one was rooted in the complicated human experience of depression. Melissa courageously shared her story with deep vulnerability, even letting us in on some of her darkest moments and the tools she used to move through it all. The next clip sheds light on how Melissa used creativity to maneuver through what she terms existential depression. 
So this started from when you were young, you were saying, and clearly you've now had a bunch of success. So was it further exacerbated by being a business owner? Did it impact you more as an entrepreneur? Or do you think that your existential depression would have been the same no matter what? That's a great question. So believe it or not, founding Melissa and Doug was one half of my salvation because I created from the time I can remember. From age two, I was writing musical compositions. I wrote verses like in my head and I put it all down on paper, but it was so dark and despairing that I never let it see light and I never showed it to anyone. And for the first basically 25 years of my life, I never found meaning in my creativity because it never touched anyone and it never brought my life meaning. It was just this output that just came, you know, funneled through me and never saw light. However, when Doug and I started Melissa and Doug and I created just out of nothing sort of our first line of puzzles, I felt something I had never felt before. And it was like my creativity was a faucet and the whole beginning of my life, one side of it was darkness and one side of it was light. And the whole beginning of my life, the light side had been turned off, the darkness side was turned on and I funneled this tremendous despair into darkness that just went into despair, that went into darkness and it stayed darkness. But when I realized that I could actually create toys, no less, from this despair, something light and bright that had the ability to touch children and bring them joy, it was like I realized I had a choice. I could actually turn off the dark faucet, turn on the light faucet, take that very same despair and channel it into light and continue to channel it into light for the next 32 years. And that became truly my salvation because it showed me, whereas in my earlier days when I was really at my very lowest, I felt that there was no meaning and that I was the victim of this dark creativity that just like raged through me. I suddenly saw that I had a choice whether to keep it darkness or turn it into light. And that became my mantra that I tell myself every single day, which is step on out of the head, moving into the heart, free to channel all dread into jubilant art. And that is my life-saving mantra. What changed in Melissa's life was that she was able to shift her perspective and turn something so gut-wrenching and negative into something productive. It was almost like a hidden strength. And personally, I think that a perspective shift is one of the hardest things to achieve in life. But after her epiphany, she knew she needed to dive deeper and she knew she didn't have to do it alone. So I finally enlisted the help of an incredible therapist and we took this journey inward. And that involved for the first time having to go deep in here and look everything I was in the eye, including that initial nothingness, that emptiness that spawned my existential malaise in the first place. And that journey was so arduous, difficult, but also revelatory that I wanted to create it for other people to go on as well. And one of the letters of that journey, A, because it's the journey to inner space, and space, the letters signify five different contiguous trails, The A is allow. And that was the hardest leg of the journey for me because 
basically what most of us do. Even once we stop, we ground ourselves and we perceive all the things we're feeling, which in itself is a big endeavor. What we then do, at least what I did, was I began to judge it, right? The minute I felt anything that wasn't perfect, I would go into, why are you feeling that way? You have everything in the world. Like, stop being so morose. Stop doing this. I would just continually berate myself. And I've had to learn. It's taken me years to just allow myself to feel everything I am feeling. Once I was able to do that, it took me going back to my childhood traumas and unearthing them and giving myself love for the love I never received again and again and again. Once I was able to do that, believe it or not, my low days pretty much ended. It doesn't mean I won't wake up a little low some days, but I now know because I understand what it means to offer myself compassion on those days, I'm going to have to give myself some more butterfly hugs Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to engage in my lifelines. You can see one of them. I drink tea, which is like one of my, and I do it even on this, you know, the warmth grounds me and I hold it before I'm about to speak to all of you. And I'm like, here I am in my heart and I might drink an extra couple cups of tea before this podcast. I just got back. I take an hour long walk with Doug each day in nature because again, it brings me right back here. And I know on those low days, I'm just going to have to offer myself some self-care, which by the way, I wasn't even on the list of self-care for 50 years. So it's a big step. It's a practice. And it's something I have to do each and every day without fail. One of the reasons why I loved this moment so much was because it was recorded live in front of a virtual Zoom audience of our self-made female entrepreneurs. And I could see so many listeners clapping and cheering for Melissa after she said this. Literally, they were raising the roof. And for good reason. She worked on her mental health, overcame so many things in her past, and found a great way to manage her existential depression. Knowing we're both mothers, I wondered how she was able to balance that with other areas of her life. Here's what she had to say. So balance is one of those bad words in my vocabulary. It's like perfectionism. And I think when we strive for balance, it's a very bad thing. We're only going to be disappointed because honestly, I hope I can say it to all of you. There is no blank in balance. Zero. Don't try to find it. And with our business and six children, I promise you there's not. However, there's a couple things that have been my core tenets for myself. The first is, if you are going to be a working mother, show pride to your children in what you're doing and communicate to them at every point how important this is to you. I always said to my children, Melissa and Doug is one of my children. It was actually my first child before you. And it's as meaningful to me as any of you, not more, the same. And I communicated to them about what I was doing, hopefully for others and for the world to show them that they should never feel guilt in combining motherhood and career. And I think if you want to be a good role model, especially to your daughters and showing them that they can have it all, then don't show that working is so tough for you and you're so guilty about leaving them because then you're showing them that they should feel the same way. Yes. It's the same with self-care. You know, the only reason I was able to self-care for myself is because I didn't want my daughters to be martyrs either. And I wanted to show them Like your mom's going to care for yourself because you need to care for yourselves too. So I think that's really important. Uh, What a great lesson for all mothers to hear. 
Let this be an example of how to blend motherhood and a career without any of the baggage of guilt hanging over you. Well, having a firecracker on the show like Bethany Frankel was such a laugh. Not only did she have the punchiest one-liners about her very high-profile professional journey and some Bravo tea about the Real Housewives, but she really pulled back the curtain on what it's like to be a serial entrepreneur and operate in spaces where you're underestimated. Next, listen in to a few of my favorite moments from my conversation with Bethany. What was the connection between adolescent Bethany, you know, dabbling in all these things, and then, you know, flash forward, you are on a reality TV show, and then you ultimately decided to launch a company. Like, how did that all begin? Because I've honed in on the fact that if you do anything, you do it well now. So whatever I do, I do to the best of my ability. I execute, I finish. I may not have to do it again. I've written 10 books and I'm writing another one now, but I don't have to write another one after the one. I just want to do the one. So the show, The Big Shot with Bethany that I'm producing and that I'm starring in about finding my second in command, which is on HBO Max in late April. It's an excellent, excellent show because if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. So if I'm cooking a meal, if I'm having a party, if I'm doing a, I was going to say a playlist, I've never made a playlist in my life, but if I were making a playlist, it would be a good playlist. And so the point is whatever I'm doing at the time, So if I'm on The Housewives, I'm going to be in the moment and present about revealing myself and doing what's to be done then and thinking of the whole picture there. Everything I do, I do well or I don't do it. So that's how I am with relief work. And it's exhausting and it's a nightmare and you want to get out, but I don't get out until it's done. So that's how I do things. So if I go on HSN to sell clothing all night, it's going to be good because I've already gone through 10,000 meetings about how it's supposed to be good. Doesn't mean I have to ever do it again, but if I'm going to do it, it's going to be done well. So that's sort of how I run my life. What is your advice for those people who might not have clarity, but probably need to change something about their life? Well, for example, my friend has been talking about doing her house for a couple of years and doing her closets and she just doesn't dive in. And she thinks there's some wizard that's going to tell her the right material for a countertop or some tile or some wallpaper. And the truth is it's like cooking. You could take out a piece of chicken or a piece of fish or whatever you're cooking. You could mix olive oil, lemon and garlic. You could do olive oil, lime and garlic. You could do cilantro, you could do basil, you could do parsley. You could pick any item with those things. There will be things that will not be good. Actually, Fruit Loop cereal probably would go well with chicken because you can make some version of <laughs> Crusted a Crusted tilapia, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point is, you make a decision, you get something on the board and then work around that. But you see so many design magazines and you see gorgeous wallpaper with this. How did they think of that with this amazing desk? You know why? Because they slapped spaghetti against the wall. It worked. It doesn't work. <laughs> Take the desk away. You know, it's not that deep. There's so many different ways that things can work. So get on the road, make a decision and keep it moving. But I am a decider. I make good decisions though. I'm not rash. I think about it. I may ask a couple people and then ultimately decide what I want to do, but you got to make a decision. You can't be paralyzed. Paralysis is the worst. Just get out of the gray. There's no gray. It's black or white. Everyone told me not to do the skinny girl margarita. I asked the head of Bacardi and he said, there's never going to be, I said, it's an FU brand. He said, there's no such thing as an FU brand. You're never going to make real money doing this. Nobody cracks through. Mm. If I had listened to him, you know, it would be a very different story. Right. And on the flip side of that, you are 
fairly notorious for speaking your mind. So would you say you've always been outspoken and confident in your own voice? Like, was that something you learned along the way? I've always been outspoken and confident in my own voice. I've become more known for that. I tend to be smart and know what I'm talking about and can think on my feet. I have done some things that other people perceive to be mistakes. I've gotten myself into the mud or into the weeds and had to hold the steering wheel very tight to try to see if I was going to crash or get off the road safely. And that's part of being a strong business person and being a strong woman, mother, brand owner. I mean, you have to get through the shit sometimes. I mean, Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So every (laughs) major entrepreneur has been punched in the face. And when you get punched in the face, what do you do? Do you stay down? Do you get up? Do you try to get out of it? Do you try to heal? Do you fight back? What do you do? That's when decisions are really important and you really have to experience critical thinking. And I happen to be great in a crisis. So I would rather be honest and get in trouble and be canceled than be a watered down, diluted, fake, phony version of myself. And people have become clones now. Everybody says the thing they're supposed to say, it's freedom of speech and everyone's so free now and you can say and be whatever you want, but you can't. You have to follow a script that everybody's saying. Otherwise, you're going to get canceled. And it's total bullshit. Mm. It's ridiculous. So, Mm. But you have to ride the line and you have to find a way to say things. You have to find out how you say something is more important than what you're saying. Mm, Interesting, especially in social media culture these days because- Everywhere. In business, in a conference room, in social media, in marketing- everything. It's how you say something. What if they're, you know, pretty shy and insecure about saying how they feel? What are some tips you can give them to practice? I mean, don't say too much because this is not the culture and the temperature and the time to start, you know, running your mouth off, but to think before you speak, to be calm, cool, and collected, to be concise. I have helped so many people write letters when they're writing, let's say to an ex, or you're dealing with a sensitive situation or to be a good communicator. So less is more. People drone on and create narratives and wax poetic and all this stuff versus just being lean. Be lean in what you're saying. And yeah, I mean, understand that someone could be reading your texts and your emails and it could happen. So be thoughtful in what you're saying, which sucks, but communicate your point. You're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have a strong opinion. It's the way you say it. This next segment comes from one of the most iconic and legendary women I know, Diane von Furstenberg. Our conversation was chock full of life lessons like how to develop strength of character and live with more courage, plus how to face life's obstacles head on and with grace. If life is a journey, death is the destination. So you just hope you get there as late as possible and with the best life. Yes. And you've certainly had an amazing one. One other word I like from your book is courage. You know, at Britain Co. and my company, encouragement is our brand essence. Like we are trying to do everything we can to encourage women to do that big, scary, hard thing that's sitting in front of them. By the way, by the way, by the way, you have courage in the word encouraged. Yep. So it's very appropriate. Right. And that's why I'm bringing it up because the definition of encourage is to give courage. courage. Exactly. And that's what the mission of my company is. That's nice. That's a very nice mission. Thank you. Let me read what I said. Yes. 
Courage is using our character for strength. It is the willingness to face danger, challenges, and emotions. We practice courage by managing fear and obstacle. Password, own it. I love that. And what were some of the most courageous moments you've had in your life? Oh, you know, it's not always the biggest one. Yes, of course, when 26 years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. Wow, you don't expect that and all of that. And so you need courage. You need to own it. You need to address it. But courage, it could be much smaller things. It could be making a phone call, telling a friend something that's going to be unpleasant. It doesn't always have to be something huge and dramatic. It's courage. You can have it on little doses, on big doses. You need it all the time. I mean, character, you know, character is actually my favorite word. And what I love about character is that you could lose your wealth, your health, your beauty, your family, our freedom, but we never lose our character, even under torture. Our character is our strength, our spinal cord, the house inside ourselves. It is all we can truly count on. And character and courage go together. While I'm sure so many of us think about DVF as the pinnacle of success, she's of course had moments in life where it wasn't easy and where she felt like she was failing. This next bit really captures her take on navigating pain and failure. And to be honest, it actually eased a lot of my fears and preconceived notions about what it means to, quote unquote, fail. Have you noticed that you don't remember your physical pain? I mean, you could be in a terrible, terrible, terrible pain, but once the pain is gone, you don't remember the pain. You remember, oh, yes, I was in big pain, but you don't remember the pain. And for me, obstacle and challenges are the same. I just process them and then I turn things around. And then after that, you don't even remember that it had started with the challenges, you know? So the big things are made out of tiny things. There's so many examples where I was really, you know, oh my God, you feel like a total loser and you made mistakes, but then you accept it. And once you accept it, somehow you deal with it. To me, these quotes are also about resiliency. Being able to get back up after you fail is a true sign of character. Similarly, it was clear DVF has always been laser focused on becoming the woman she wants to be. See how she navigated her identity after launching a brand that also bears her name in this next clip. When I started my company, there was no such thing of creating a brand. I mean, now I talk to young designers, they've barely made anything and they're talking about their brand. I didn't think about that at all. When I first made my dresses, I called them, I don't know, I did the label with my name. I didn't even think about it. And then I became a brand and then I became DVF. But in my family, everyone calls me DVF, even my grandchildren, my children. So I don't know. I am the package, but I will always be the founder of DVF. And I hope it will last after me. But it was very associated with me because there was a purpose, right? Who did I design for? I designed for the woman I wanted to be. I never wanted to be a girl. I always wanted to be a woman, but I wanted to be a woman in charge. 
So that woman, that woman I wanted to be is still the woman I want to be. It's still the woman that I cater to. But it's more about a feeling. And clearly, when I first made these little dresses, all the other designer looked at me and said, what is that? You know, what's special about these little printed jersey dresses? And there was nothing special, except that when women wore them, all of a sudden their body language changed and it made them feel confident. <laughs> that was my cord. That was my mission. That was the purpose. I have to say that as I run my businesses, I'm always thinking about who I'm trying to reach and how that aligns with my personal purpose. DVF taught me to forever look forward, stay open to the magic, and remember who this is all really for. Keeping this in mind will always lead you towards the place you should go next in life. Thank you guys for listening, for opening your mind and heart to learning new things, and most importantly, for going out into the world a little more courageous and confident than ever before. And by the way, what did you think of this highlights format? Which other guests from past episodes deserve a special feature in a future highlight episode? Answer any of these questions by shooting me a note at hello at Brit.co or even on Instagram. I'm at Brit. And remember, ratings and reviews are like giant hugs to me. So if you can drop me one, I'd be forever grateful. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Ali Ives and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjazy and Aaron Peterson. 